0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. My San Diego Padres are taking on the Dodgers. We've got Braves Phillies, Mariners Astros, Cleveland and New York. All of the playoff action is here and Bet Online has you covered with all the props, parlays, odds and promos for this week's action. Head over to BetOnline and use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V to get a 100% welcome bonus. That's right, 100% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. It is Thursday, October 13th according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening We've gone heavy on the baseball coverage for the last three days or so. I've been obsessed, 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 obsessed with the Padres taking on the Dodgers, so much so that I'm going to hang out in Los Angeles with my brother so we can commiserate in the love of the Padres and the Dodgers. So we're going to take a break from playoff baseball, although... Y'all, your Don Alvarez delivered us an incredible playoff moment. The Astros were down 7-3 to three in Game 1 at home, and they stormed back, and Alvarez hit a three-run walk-off um, off of Robbie Ray, who was a starter, but he came in out of the bullpen to get the last out, and Alvarez just tanked a home run, and it was a cool October baseball moment. But I digress, I digress. We're going to take a pause from baseball. Wait until Friday to reevaluate the landscape once everyone's played two games in their series. Anything that I record here will age poorly, so we're going to exhale from the baseball coverage and the Padres soapboxing, and we're going to go to the NFL because it is Bill's Chiefs week. We talked about that with Razor Rosenthal on Wednesday, we talked about it on Monday, and then we uh, briefly addressed it at the start of the show Tuesday before talking to Ryan Cohen And uh, part of Bills Chiefs Week is that I made a parody song. I went into the lab and spent three hours making a three-minute long song. This one's actually only two and a half minutes long. I spent three hours making a three-minute song like I tend to do sometimes. So that way we have content we we can play whenever we talk about the Buffalo Bills, which I realized is going to be quite a bit over the next year and a half on this podcast. So we might as well have a Buffalo Bills song to play over the air. We're going to play that in a sec and talk about Bill's Chiefs, but first, we are finally going to get to the news from Monday. Every time we record NFL Monday podcasts, I always bring up the fact that every NFL Monday is one NFL Monday closer to Matt Rule being fired by the Carolina Panthers. Lo and behold, the Carolina Panthers mercifully put an end. To Matt Rule's NFL career. They fired him. They allow him to pursue college coaching jobs, which power to you, Matt Rule, if that's your passion and you're willing to give back money to the Carolina Panthers if you take a college head coaching job. All the power to you, Matt Rule. Instead of taking the $40 million and saying that you have reached the pinnacle of coaching, but I know that he enjoys coaching more than the millions upon millions upon millions of dollars with which Matt Rule can make and these CEO types in college football and the NFL can earn, despite the fact that the players don't get compensated in college football from the universities themselves. But Matt Rule's going to get a big contract to go back to college if he so chooses. He can pick any of the jobs that are available, and, and they're his. He just has to communicate with the boosters at the school and get a giant contract, and Matt Rule will make his trip back to college. But the Carolina Panthers mercifully fired Matt Rule. We knew he was going to get fired. He hired Ben McAdoo this offseason, which was the end. And I've, I I want to thank the Carolina Panthers for giving me the confidence as a young football analyst and reporter to recognize in 2019 and 2020 that I went out on a limb and talked about rebuilding the Panthers and saying they should have traded McCaffrey instead of giving him an extension uh, because his value was never going to be higher than it was at that time. And Carolina ended up cutting Cam Newton, moved on from Ron Rivera. They, they rebuilt the team over three years and they did it in a terrible, terrible fashion where every move was short-sighted, Never gave Matt Rule a fair opportunity, and I was going to go do a full Carolina Panthers show as like a eulogy for the Panthers season, because after this, we're not really going to talk about the Carolina Panthers anymore, uh, even when they do something interesting on Sundays. Part of my goal, I said from week one of the season, is that I'm going to not watch Carolina Panthers football, and only when it's popped up on the red zone have I seen plays from the Carolina Panthers, which fortunately they don't pop up very often, but When I'm not watching the Red Zone channel, I don't care about the Carolina Panthers or their offense or the fact that they've wasted Christian McCaffrey's career. But again, thank you to the Carolina Panthers for the confidence you bestowed in a young analyst to confirm that I was right about my evaluation of the Panthers. They should have torn it to the ground, gotten the extra draft picks for Christian McCaffrey, shot for Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, rebuilt that way. And uh, accumulated a bunch of draft picks and rebuilt everything from there instead of doing short-sighted moves with Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield being their starting quarterbacks for the last three years. And I was going to go on this long Panthers rant today, and then I remembered back on July seventh, I did a Panthers rant, and so I'm going to. T- I went back and listened to the July seventh Carolina Panthers rant. That I did it was about 16 minutes long. Uh, I went back and listened to the whole thing in between the three hours of making the Buffalo Bills parody song because that's pretty much how I've spent my day today. Uh, My off day from work is doing fun projects like this. And I realized that pretty much everything I said has aged with the exact same fine wine grace that pretty much everything I've said about the Carolina Panthers for the last three years has been. I was right about the fact that they should have rebuilt after 2019. They ended up cutting Cam Newton and saving $20 million, which they then spent on Teddy Bridgewater. Then they paid another $14 million for Teddy Bridgewater to play that one season with the Broncos. And the Panthers have just made bad decision after bad decision. They traded a second rounder for Sam Darnold and then when Justin Fields and Micah Parsons were available at pick 9 they took JC Horn which is not going to be as bad in, in the future like JC Horn is pro football focus grades him as one of the top 10 corners so far this season so JC Horn's basically a rookie and looks really good um Micah Parsons is just Micah Parsons and Justin Fields is a quarterback that shouldn't have been available to them at that pick in 2021 and I still have faith in Justin Fields if the Bears don't ruin him, and maybe Carolina would have ruined him in the end anyways with Joe Brady getting fired and hiring Ben McAdoo and everyone knowing this was a lame duck season and me basically calling it from the very beginning that this is what the Panthers were. And uh, I'm just going to go back and play the rant from July 7th because today is October 13th. That's uh, three months into the future, and pretty much everything I said still applies for the Panthers. So let's just... Take that and add it to this episode, because that's basically the exact analysis that should be done after Matt Rule gets fired by the Panthers. So here is our Take It Easy podcast analysis of the Carolina Panthers firing Matt Rule, which is the exact same segment that we did when the Carolina Panthers traded for Baker Mayfield. Let's take you behind the curtain and show you how the Wizard of Oz comes to be. Don't look behind the green curtain. Well, we're going to look behind the green curtain a little bit. And plan A, coming off of the Spurs Dynasty, was to talk to Blake Jude. And plan B was that there would be a Deshaun Watson verdict. And that would be our full podcast. And although I'm tired and I've done a lot of researching and put a lot of emotion into episode two, which again, you can download on this podcast feed and wherever you get podcasts, I don't mean to shamelessly plug so much, I really, really want the support from that podcast series, but basically, so coming off that, those were plan A, and now I'm at plan C, which is, fuck, do we have to talk about Baker Mayfield? God damn it, do we have to, god damn, anything else? Chet Holmgren Summer League. No, we only... It's not even the real Summer League. No. Kevin Durant, anything? Uh, Kevin Durant's avoiding NBA players on texts. Okay. Uh, Anything else? No. Any interesting baseball game? No. No trade deadline yet? Oh, wait, wait, wait. We're going to talk to Bob Nightingale later in the week? Okay, I guess we'll save baseball talk. Uh, damn it, I guess we gotta talk about Baker Mayfield, come on, do we have to, do do we have to talk about Baker Mayfield, this is just the internal monologue that's going on in my head, this started out as like, hey, here's a cute joke to make the punchline, fuck, do we have to talk about Baker Mayfield, but then in my head, I'm like, my internal monologue is just like, anything, it, n- <laughs> nobody had a massive racism scandal, nobody had a toxic workplace culture, nothing new, nothing no, no societal commentary we could talk about. No Pride Night controversy like with the Tampa Bay Rays. There's no full-scale story. UCLA was apparently a hundred million dollars in debt, and their athletic program was thinking of cutting nearly half their teams prior to the the Big Ten deal coming through to help, you know, bail them out. After that, that can make a B block. Anything? Any Baker May? Really? baker mayfield okay i I guess uh well we knew the trade was going to happen for four months and baker mayfield's an upgrade over sam darnold but it's not enough of an upgrade to make the panthers win any more games than they would have with sam darnold and the carolina panthers are a perpetually mediocre franchise and just because you get a new owner doesn't mean that that's an improvement now for the Carolina Panthers what it was before was an owner who had a whole lot of gross me too stuff and sexually harassing and abusing employees in his workplace and yes it's an improvement because David Tepper's to our knowledge Tepper's David Tepper's to our knowledge, is not engaging in such behavior, and three years in, the, the worst things that he can be accused of as an NFL owner is being a terrible meddling football owner, but there are lots of terrible meddling football owners. That's why there's like eight teams in the NFL that will never be able to win anything. It's like Detroit, Chicago, Washington, the Jaguars, the Jets... Uh, you could even go to, like, the Dolphins. It's just there's a handful of teams that will just never be able to win anything. And, you know, the Panthers are moving towards that territory of what I like to call... Oh, the Giants. The Giants are in that group. And they're just headed towards this tier that I like to call perpetual mediocrity. Uh, the, the Raiders haven't won a playoff game in 21 years. You know, you're just headed towards that territory. And uh, I think you know, you're looking at a situation with the Panthers where it's like, okay, they got a new quarterback... We knew they were going to get this guy. It was all just a matter of figuring out the money. Baker, there was a $3.5 million gap between what the, the the Browns were willing to pay and the Panthers were willing to pay, and Baker just had to give that money back just so he could get out of Cleveland. And, yeah, it's interesting that Baker Mayfield got uh, basically tossed aside by the Browns after playing through injury, and it's the same reason why Kyler Murray should not play another single game for the Arizona Cardinals until he gets a new contract. Because, you know, one injury they'll toss you aside and Baker Mayfield goes from being a fringe pro bowler who leads Cleveland to their first playoff victory in 20 years. The guy who wanted to be in Cleveland in 2018 gets tossed aside. But we can't even do the football storytelling part of it because he got tossed aside for a sexual predator who got rewarded with a $250 million contract and it only took about $2.5 million to pay out to settle with victims and make the situation go away with money you can't even do the waxing football story about baker mayfield without touching on the real victims and real cases of deshaun watson i mean, he's even hesitant to bring it up it's just there's nothing to do with that part of it baker mayfield's not that interesting of a quarterback in terms of like the skill set that he brings to the table the Panthers are, have ruined Christian McCaffrey's career, and they—they're going to go five and eleven with Baker Mayfield or with Sam Darnold. I just like at ten million dollars, someone wants you, but at twenty million dollars, nobody wants you. Jimmy G Baker Mayfield is damn close to quarterback purgatory as you are ever going to find. Close as close as what I used to call the Sam Bradford line, but obviously Sam Bradford's aged out of the NFL since. I was making that joke like six years ago now of like, if your quarterback's better than Sam Bradford, it's a franchise quarterback. If it's worse than Sam Bradford, you're looking for a new quarterback. And I guess the line now is Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield, but I guess it's just the dollar values. And the Panthers only are paying nine and a half million for Baker Mayfield, but that's not interesting. The Panthers are bad. Baker Mayfield playing for them is going to be the same thing as like when Sam Darnold went there. It's going to be interesting for like two weeks, and then we'll remember the Panthers are just terrible at football, and we'll just stop caring about it. But the Panthers might win seven games because seven games last year was good enough for the Falcons to only get like the eight pick in the draft. If we're going to talk about the the Panthers, we can always go back to the point of back in 2019, December of 2019, we did a uh, a one. Hour long podcast piece about rebuilding the Carolina Panthers and how the Panthers were at a perfect crossroad to uh, coming off of McCaffrey's all pro season. Trade him for multiple first round picks. Value was never going to be higher. No reason to give him a second contract. Your team was nowhere close to building a winner around him. You trade McCaffrey, cut Cam Newton, which they cut Cam Newton anyways, and play Will Greer at quarterback, tank. Get Trevor Lawrence. If you can't get Trevor Lawrence, you get Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. Get any young quarterback. Build the whole thing back up. I thought Robert Sala was going to be their coach, and in hindsight it was probably better for them to hire Robert Sala than it was to hire Matt Rule. I have no idea if Robert Sala is a good coach, but I know Matt Rule is going to get fired within 10 games this year which in the NFL we found out like doesn't make Matt Rule a bad coach it just means Matt Rule's not one of the seven coaches that you can't possibly get rid of. I'm not even sure Robert Sala is that guy. I just the verdict isn't out on Sala yet and I already know that Matt Rule is a failure as Carolina Panthers coach. So like you could have taken my advice probably would have worked out maybe not to make you super bowl good but you'd be in a better place today than you were than you are right now. If you had just traded McCaffrey and not signed Teddy Bridgewater with the $20 million you saved by cutting Cam Newton and not gone 5-11 and in 2020 and not gone 5-12 and last year, which denied you from getting any of the top prospects in the draft because the Panthers are in what I like to call the Sacramento Kings purgatory of you are the worst team in the NFL that is actively trying to win. Denver Broncos were there for a while, but then the Denver Broncos got lucky because Russell Wilson wanted to play for their organization. Carolina is the worst team in the NFL that is not actively tanking, and they're perpetually mediocre now. They have not made the playoffs since their Super Bowl. Well, they did make it one time. They haven't won a playoff game since their Super Bowl season of 2015, they made it, I think it was 2017, I want to say. It was either 2016 or 2017. They made the wild card one time and lost to the Saints. It was right before the Saints lost the Minneapolis Miracle. So that would have been 2017? Yeah. 2017, they made a wild card game. It's not like something to hang your hat on. Is making a meaningless wild card game where you got smoked by the New Orleans Saints. Um... Carolina's been bad, and Carolina has absolutely wasted Christian McCaffrey's career. Like, like Christian McCaffrey's entire career has has just been wasted. Like, think of an example of that to any other sport. Like, it's it's not Mike Trout because Christian McCaffrey's not that caliber player. But think like baseball is a good example because of the the individualism of the sport. And Christian McCaffrey, the running back, is the most individual of the positions that you can find in the NFL which is part of why they they have lower value and the fact that, like, there's a number of carries before the body starts to break down. But I'm just thinking of a baseball player who's, like, got sent to a bad team and their entire career has been just, you know, just wasted. Like, just put up empty stats, collected money, and that was it. I'm trying to think, I mean, Mike Trout's the first example that comes to mind, but it feels so shallow, because you could say, like, anyone is the Mike Trout of their sport, but I'm thinking, like, an even poorer organization than Mike Trout. Like, maybe Mike Trout is the the perfect, because, like, most baseball players, they end up leaving the organizations that they were on. The, the example I could think of is, like, Giancarlo Stanton with the Marlins, like, that's what Christian McCaffrey feels like, like, best at your position, not best in the sport, but like best at your position, doing things that are so unique on the football field that like all 10 of the teams that are always consistently good would want that on their team. And just wasted Christian McCaffrey's career. Just, just wasted it. Like Christian McCaffrey's been in the league five years, and he's had great seasons. And it just, he has, there's no evidence I can point to that Christian McCaffrey has added any value to the Carolina Panthers. Like, he's he's added financial value. I can't find any evidence that Christian McCaffrey has actually impacted the Carolina Panthers at all since he's been drafted. He was drafted in 2017, so he was drafted this rookie year. They made the playoffs. Okay, so the, his rookie year was that year that they won 10 games. The year after that was 2018. I forgot what the, the Panthers did that year. Uh <laughs> okay, so Christian McCaffrey, I just looking up his Wikipedia page, Christian McCaffrey was the first white running back to rush for over a thousand yards since Peyton Hillis in two thousand ten, which got Peyton Hillis on the Madden cover. And the only the second since Craig James in nineteen eighty five. And that that Craig James parlayed that into being like the lead college football broadcaster on ESPN for like ten years. I know most people probably don't know who Craig James is but that's just just something interesting. This is just my way of trying to talk about the, this in any way that matters. Like the Carolina Panthers whatever they finished in 2015 or 20, 2018, let's see 2018 Panthers were seven and nine So you're looking at seven and nine, five and 11 the year that Christian seven and nine and five and eleven the two years that Christian McCaffrey finished all pro in the NFL. two completely, missed all of 2020 except for three games, missed almost all of 2021, just, it's, it's just over, Christian McCaffrey played 10 total games the last two years, they gave him a giant contract, his body's broken down, like just wasted one of the best running backs that has gone through the NFL, like not a single meaningful football game was played, for the Carolina Panthers and and Christian McCaffrey. The man went for like 2,400 yards of offense in a season. And just it's just nothing left. This is going to sound kind of like when Juju and I talk about the Angels in a little bit. But it's the only way I can make this Baker Mayfield trade matter. And the only reason I'm even acknowledging the Baker Mayfield trade is because it's like the plan C option for an A block of a Thursday podcast in the middle of July. Okay, cool. Baker Mayfield got traded. It. I. I know it's bitter. I know it's resentment. I just. I just don't care. I just the Carolina Panthers are irrelevant. I just. I don't know what to make of Baker Mayfield. As a quarterback, he's a the quarterback purgatory. He was in quarterback purgatory last year. The year before that, I thought he was a tier three quarterback. He's a quarterback purgatory guy. Brown's got a better option, so they moved off of him. The Panthers are a terrible team, so they're going to be terrible with Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield's going to look worse than he would be in another situation because the Carolina Panthers won't be able to do anything for him. I know DJ Moore is a pretty good wide receiver, but like it's it's not going to do anything for Carolina. Carolina's not a good football. Ben McAdoo is his offensive coordinator. I made it 25 minutes without talking about Ben McAdoo. Like I'm just lashing out at the Panthers because the Panthers are just so terrible at football and nobody should care about this. Honest to God, nobody should care about this, but I'm just, I, I looked around and I'm like, I got Baker Mayfield talking. I thought it was only going to be five minutes. And I just started rambling about the Panthers, how they wasted Christian McCaffrey's career and how we really want to sell ourselves that this matters. And it, does not matter at all it does not matter at all that Baker Mayfield got traded to the Carolina Panthers even the Panthers believe that they're only paying him nine million dollars next year they're paying him a high they're paying him what the Raiders were paying Marcus Mariota like he's he's a high-end backup it's a high-end backup quarterback that we spent 4 months caring about cuz his name is Baker Mayfield and he used to be a number 1 pick in the NFL draft and he shouldn't have been the number 1 pick in the NFL draft. I know I'm just doing sports radio segment now, but yeah, that's just I no one should care about this at all. And I'm just going to I'm going to hit pause and end this. It's been a long Baker Mayfield rant. Nobody should care about this. All right, everybody, I am super duper excited to tell you about andcaller.com. You know how I always say support our dreams on the show? caller is literally supporting our dreams. They are covering expenses for Blake Jude and I to meet up in Salt Lake City and watch Arizona play Utah. This road trip was a joke that Blake Jude and I came up with back in August. And thanks to Andcaller, it's actually going to happen. If you go to andcollar.com, and there's a link in the description to this episode, you can shop all of your wardrobe needs. They've got shirts, polos, blazers, pants, socks, and more. My new wardrobe is coming in this week. Super excited about that. For our listeners, andcollar is offering two promotions for you. Two promotions. Number one, all orders over $100. Andcollar is going to cover the shipping. $10 to $15 free. They'll cover the cost. And two, any orders of $40 or more will get a free tie when you use our promo code EASY. That's E-A-S-Y with the link in this episode at andcaller.com. That's andcaller.com. Support our dreams by supporting the people who are helping making those dreams possible. All right. I would like to remind y'all again... That was recorded on July 7th. All that Panthers crap was recorded on July 7th. And I see no lies, no slander in that entire podcast that we did. I just didn't want to do Panthers talk again. I'd rather spend 20 minutes editing content than talking about the Carolina Panthers again. Now let's talk about Bill's Chiefs. And... I want to talk about Bill's Chiefs from a schematic standpoint. We did a bunch of that with Razor Rosenthal yesterday getting set for the game and uh, the matchup that's going to come. And the post-game show might be the best way to do that. Today, as part of Bill's Chiefs week, I would like to debut a brand new song. A brand new song that we made. A parody song to the wonderful Lil Nas X song, Sun Goes Down. It was, I believe, his third third or fourth single he ended up singing it on saturday night live for any of you who follow lil nas x you've heard us do lil nas x song before remember industry baby we did a parody song to the carolina panthers back then uh it's in our musical album if you want to go back to the beginning of september and find the take it easy musical album where we play all of our old podcast bits and parody songs and and songs from old-timey sports anthems. Uh, You'll hear the Sam Darnold Industry Baby song that hasn't aged well, and so I don't really play it much anymore except on the musical album. Uh, And part of that is now that I've made a uh, documentary series like The Fall of the Spurs Dynasty and just have, like, uh, a couple hundred more hours of editing experience with apps like Audacity and Adobe Player, I'm actually getting way, way better... At Editing these songs together. And the last one that we did was that was like a true song was the Ant-Man Minnesota Timberwolves one back in May. Uh, We did a Star Wars parody for the Padres and Dodgers and Major League Baseball playoffs that you've been hearing a lot the last week. That's not really a true parody song. It's more of a bit than it is a parody song. This is a true song, because it's set to the lyrics of Sun Goes Down by Lil Nas X, who, by the way, for those who don't know, Lil Nas X is a fucking hero, and his music is excellent, and we will not question the greatness of Lil Nas X here on this wonderful podcast. I like his music. This song is great. I discovered it over the summer, played it a lot when I was driving back and forth to my new job at the radio station. It's a fantastic song, and it was the perfect song to adjust lyrics to to talk about Josh Allen, and the Buffalo Bills, and since we talk about Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills a lot, usually every NFL Monday show, because they are the best team in the NFL, I have a feeling we're going to get good use out of this song, and it's a song that I'm really proud of. So we get to debut, for the first time, our Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen parody to Lil Nas X's Sun Goes Down, which, for those of you, maybe it's better to listen to the original song first if you've never heard it before, but if not... If you have heard the song before, I think you're going to find a lot of the jokes to be clever, hopefully. And if you haven't heard the song, maybe listen to the song first and then come back here and listen to our parody song. You throw a fourth TD On a dime you ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins Josh Allen gets Bills the wins You want to play the Chiefs And to beat Andy Reid and his schemes Avenging your past mistakes And take the Bills to the big game Three years, I thought you was phony Got digs, then you flipped it on me I was thinking you were Carson Wentz You made your mark, became an MVP Deep throws, always looking daunting Tossed up to Davis and McKenzie, it's hard for teams to deny it when Allen beats double safeties. You keep losing to Mahomes, sitting on the bench 13 to go, overtime coin flips turned up wrong, makes your season seem so marginal. And this year you'll find a way, gonna get past Kansas City, Allen and the Bills are gonna be. Super Bowl champs 2023. Oh, I want to run the ball, don't want to slide, I just want to dive. Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. I want to run the ball, don't want to slide, I'm just going to dive. Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. You throw a fourth TD. On a dime you ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins Josh Allen gets Bills the wins You want to play the Chiefs And to beat any Reed in his schemes Avenging your past mistakes And take the Bills to the big game That, ladies and gentlemen and non-binary peoples alike, is the debut of our parody song for the Buffalo Bills that you will be hearing quite frequently throughout this NFL season whenever we talk about the Buffalo Bills. And it revolves around the Bills and Chiefs. I got the inspiration to write a song. You can tell I'm really excited about Bills and Chiefs this week that I got inspired to write a song about the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, which we can add to our song that we already play for the Kansas City Chiefs, which is not really ours. It's just Migos' song from 2021 Mahomes. which means now we have a Buffalo song and a Kansas City song here on the podcast. And I've mentioned this a couple times before. Buffalo and Kansas City are the two best teams in the NFL. And the 49ers and the Eagles and the Ravens, they're, they're right behind them. It's not like they're totally unbeatable good. But Kansas City and Buffalo are far and away the best teams in football. They were far and away the best teams in football last season, 2020. It was probably them and Tampa and Green Bay in some order. There were really good teams in 2020. And uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills this year are far and away the two best teams. They were far and away the two best teams the year before. Kansas City subtracted Tyreek Hill and Tyron Matthew and Charvarius Ward, replaced them with mostly rookies. Uh, they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously, and McColl Hardman. But now the Steelers—I'm sorry, the, um, the the Kansas City's number two weapon— Is Clyde Edwards a lair? And we think of Kansas City who, again, Andy Reid adapts college schemes and 1970s NFL schemes and all sorts of stuff because he is the greatest offensive coach in the history of football. Andy Reid takes all these different schemes and play calls and adapts them to the personnel that he has. And so it's interesting that Kansas City has decided wide receivers are going to be used similar to how the Chiefs used to use running backs where they use a lot of screen plays and short game with the wide receivers. They remove Tyreek Hill, but they aren't trying to replace Tyreek Hill. They don't think that there's only one way they can run that offense. And the way they've done that is with Clyde Edwards-Alaire as a pass catcher and a running back and the number two behind Travis Kelsey and the volume yards for McCall Hardman, like on Monday night's game against uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. And what I find interesting about that is Kansas City subtracted those players that were identity pieces of what the Chiefs were the last couple of runs, and football history now has a precedent for this. I, I compare Kansas City a lot to the New England Patriots, and... Kansas City being what I believe is the second best team in the NFL this year, only behind the Buffalo Bills, and they're far and away ahead of the Eagles, the Ravens, the 49ers who would represent the next group of teams, which by the way, I don't think that those teams are like so very far behind that they can't catch Buffalo in Kansas City. I think Buffalo and Kansas City are the best teams, and Kansas City had a moment last year where they threw up on themselves against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. It can. it's not to say that Buffalo and Kansas City are the only two great teams, therefore they're the only two teams that will win the Super Bowl. It's saying that those are far and away the two best teams in the NFL, and that if the NFL didn't have conferences or seating, and they just ranked 1-16, to 16, Buffalo and Kansas City would find a way to play in the championship. And what I find very, very interesting is the Kansas City Chiefs have adapted to a team that is in transition like Kansas City is vulnerable this year very much so because they are a team in transition and I say all the time when you have the reason I picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl the reason I said the Chiefs would win the AFC West is when you're starting with the foundation of the greatest offensive coach in the history of football and the greatest quarterback I've ever seen play that's a foundation that will be difficult to overcome even if they're vulnerable because they just moved off of tyree hill moved off of tyron matthew moved off of trevarius ward and didn't really address those spots in a significant matter and again like i was saying the precedent we have for this is the patriots what kansas city has been the last four years and what kansas city is going to continue to be for the next 10 years is what the new england patriots were in the 2010s and the 2000s with that periodic break in between where the Jets won the AFC North, uh, AFC East a couple times and Tom Brady had knee surgery and he went, uh, let's see, it was between, I, I know they, they went nine years without a Super Bowl, but let's say between the perfect season in 2007 and the Super Bowl in 2014. So let's subtract like those five to six years in between, even acknowledging for five to six years they were vulnerable and they weren't the best team in the sport while they were pivoting, and Kansas City's going to have this same problem come up at some point. Even so, they were still able to win the AFC East and win division titles, and then they retooled and then made the AFC Championship game every year for nine consecutive seasons between 2010 and 2019, uh, 2018. They made the AFC Championship every single year. And Kansas City's in this transitional phase as well, and I find interesting that even so... They're able to adapt their schemes to what their offense uh, is built upon. And of course, this would make sense. Like, you don't have to play into the specific style that always won. And yet, at the same time, I watch, like, Arthur Smith desperately try and replicate what he did in Tennessee over in Atlanta. I see Nathaniel Hackett try and replicate what he did in uh, what he did in Green Bay with Russell Wilson and that Broncos offense that doesn't have the same ability to do so. I-, I see Matt LeFleur, when he first got to Green Bay wanted to just game manage Aaron Rodgers and then they drafted Jordan Love because in a similar fashion they believe that Jordan Love fit the scheme better than Aaron Rodgers did the same way that the 49ers thought like Mac Jones might fit their scheme better than Trey Lance or Justin Fields and and I find that so interesting because like it it seems intuitive to be able to adapt and change when you're at the highest levels of the sport but the highest levels of the sport don't just requires you to be successful at the previous job that you did so like being a successful offensive coordinator is not conducive to being a successful head coach being a successful defensive coordinator is not conducive to being a successful head coach because the jobs are very different requirements it requires a certain level of football knowledge usually I mean I we, we've talked about how we think Nick Sirianni can be a dum dumb sometimes and how Brandon Staley doesn't know when to go for it and when not to, and his team doesn't have the inspiration when they go for it too much, or Nathaniel Hackett literally being inept, or Freddie Kitchens, or Urban Meyer, or any any number of examples you want to go down the list to. It's just sometimes people get hired because rich billionaires intervene and want this person to be coach. And becoming an NFL coach and becoming... The level of what Andy Reid is, which is again the greatest offensive coach in the history of the NFL, requires an encyclopedic database of information plus the ability to be a leader, plus the ability to adapt to personnel. And again, I've seen this is what leads me to believe that the Rams and Packers problems are personnel-based and not necessarily scheme-based, is that I've seen Sean McVay adapt and improvise the offense. I've seen Matt Lafleur adapt and improvise what the Packers' offense looks like. And that's what leads me to believe this is a personnel concern. If Kansas City were doing the things they were doing with Andy Reid and Mahomes, and the results were the offense was still stagnant and two high safeties was the only option to take away Mahomes. By the way, I was listening to Mina Kimes' talk on ESPN, and she brought up a great point that Offense is at its lowest level that it's been in, I believe, something like 20 years or the second lowest in 20 years in the NFL. And the reason that's the case is because people saw what happened with two high safeties in Mahomes last year. And now everyone's playing two high safeties and they're daring teams to beat you underneath, run the ball, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just slowing the tempo of football games down because defenses are adapting and evolving The same way Kansas City's method of turning that around is we will play that same game. We will take what is given. Sure, we can always take the top off of you with big plays, but we can take the short yardage and we can use Clyde Edwards-Alaire as our second weapon because we... Have the, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a first-round pick, and I know Juju Smith-Schuster is an incredibly talented former, you know, 1,500-yard receiver, and McCole Hardman was a f- third-round pick who Kansas City's been banking on a couple years as, like, when Tyreek Hill was going through his... uh, When when Tyreek Hill was away from the team because he was on indefinite leave while they were investigating him beating up his child and breaking his child's arm, they drafted McCole Hardman in that draft. And so... I get that part of it, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a former first-round pick. He is the second most talented player behind Travis Kelsey on the team, and so they're using what they have to their advantage. And I'm talking about between the receiving core and the weapons that the, the Chiefs have. Behind Travis Kelsey, he is the second most talented weapon that the Chiefs have, and so he's become that option for them in the passing game and the running game behind what they do with Kelsey, and setting up the short yards of the field with Juju Smith-Schuster and McCole Hardman. And Sky Moore will eventually join that group. And I'm interested in what Kansas City's going to do for this game because I assume it will be a control-the-possession type of game for Kansas City. That seems to be the best course of action going up against the Buffalo Bills. And if Buffalo is dropping back, if teams around the league are dropping back two high safeties, before I went on that tangent, the point I was moving towards is, if you have two high safeties dropping back and the Chiefs are able to take advantage of that underneath, and say that they were adopting adapting personnel and it was still it was looking worse than it was at the end of last year where you know Kansas City had a rough start to 2021 and everyone was kind of hitting the panic button cuz they were like 3 and 4 and everyone's like oh they have a hard schedule the rest of the way and i was like yeah they have a hard schedule but you know who's really good Kansas City you know who's better than all the teams they're playing Kansas City and then they won 7 out of 8 games and got should have got the number 1 seed in the AFC Actually, I think they won nine of their last ten games. And if not for that one game against the Bengals, they would have gotten the number one seed because of the dumb tiebreakers with the the Tennessee Titans. And if it weren't working for Kansas City, I would argue it's a personnel question. But Kansas City has the personnel, and of course they have the personnel because they have Patrick Mahomes and they have, uh, obviously, Andy Reid. But the Rams have Sean McVay and Cooper Cup. Matthew Stafford's a hobbled version of himself. But let's say Aaron Donald Cooper Cup, Sean McVay, and Jalen Ramsey, and yet the problem for them is still personnel-based. And for Kansas City, it's never been that, and I find that to be incredibly remarkable because they are the modern Patriots and they will always be able to compete in these games. They just have the top level offense that is the equivalent of what people used to think of of patriot defenses and then of course tom brady always got the support of a top 10 defense and he's one of the great quarterbacks of all time hall of fame caliber good and the combination of those two meant the patriots went to nine consecutive conference championships and again i don't think kansas City's going to go to nine consecutive conference championships they might go to nine consecutive conference championships and y'all think that's wild but kansas city's been to four in a row they've hosted four in a row which is the first time that that's happened since ever. An AFC team has never hosted four consecutive AFC championship games. It's never happened. Kansas City's done it the last four years. And I find that so fascinating that they've adapted to the personnel that they have. And it's been good enough to be the second best team in the NFL behind the Buffalo Bills. And then that matchup against Buffalo this week, I'll be really interested to see how that ends up playing out so there's some more bills chiefs coverage for the week some in-depth football x's and o's analysis and my fascination with my with my patrick mahomes love and you know again as i've said before he's the reason that a generation for me of watching football was as enjoyable as it was and this inspiration to start doing the analysis type stuff so that's my thoughts on kansas city we'll have more bills chiefs coverage At the end of the week, and and we'll do a post-game show on NFL Monday where we'll talk about Bills Chiefs a lot, I assume, because it's the game of the week, and I'm super fascinated by both of these two teams. Leave a five-star review on the podcast wherever it is that you may be listening, Apple or Spotify or PodBay or Google Podcast or wherever it is that you may be getting podcasts. Take it easy, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Let us conclude today with... One more rendition, Buffalo Bills parody to "Sun Goes Down" by Lil Nas X. Fires it remarkable touchdown. Buffalo Davis again. You throw a fourth TD On a dime you ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins Josh Allen gets Bills the wins You want to play the Chiefs And to beat Andy Reid and his schemes Avenging your past mistakes And take the Bills to the big game Three years I thought you was phony Got digs then you flipped it on me I was thinking you were Carson Wentz You made your mark, became an MVP Deep throws, always looking daunting Tossed up to Davis and McKenzie, it's hard for teams to deny it when Allen beats double safeties. You keep losing to Mahomes, sitting on the bench 13 to go. Overtime coin flips turned up wrong, makes your season seem so marginal. And this year you'll find a way, gonna get past Kansas City, Allen and the Bills are gonna be Super Bowl champs 2023, oh, I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I just wanna dive, send me the call, and I'll throw the ball, I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I'm just gonna dive, send me the call, and I'll throw the ball, you throw a fourth TD, On a dime you ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins Josh Allen gets Bills the wins You want to play the Chiefs And to beat Andy Reid in his schemes Avenging your past mistakes And take the Bills to the big game